This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Now on Joy 94.9, this is The Glow Show with your host, Victoria Police LGBTI Liaison Officer, Gabrielle Tayak, Joy's own Will Lanting, with a range of Victoria Police staff and Joy volunteers coming together to inform and support our diverse LGBTI communities. Here is The Glow Show on Joy. And yes, this is The Glow Show, Joy 94.9, here on our lovely Monday night. Gabby, how are you today? Recovering from busy weekends. Yeah, really? Yeah, working all the time. They tell me the uh, the, the first five days after the after a weekend are the hardest, they tell me. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> Summer's been fantastic, hasn't it? It's been busy, it's been mm. hot, mm. but it's been great. I love the heat. Yeah. Lots of parties, lots of concerts and all that sort of stuff. Lots of carnivals. I know. Now, I've been uh, hearing among the troops that um, we've had a lot of young kids uh, attending these particular beach concerts and parties and so on and so forth. And there's been in the news recently scattered among uh, the channels of a lot of drug problems in these mm. events. So it's funny you should mention that, Will. Oh. We've got some interesting people who will probably want to tell us a bit more about that in the studio with us. We've got Inspector Craig Peel from our Melbourne East Local Area Command. He's the inspector of the area and also Senior Sergeant John Travaglini from John Melbourne East. And Craig, welcome to The Glow Show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. G'day, guys. So... Well, like Will was saying, there have been a lot of stories in the media about drugs, drug use by young people, and particularly around the um, festivals that have been going on over summer. So what's the message that as Victoria Police is giving out and how are young people going to um, make sure that they stay safe at those festivals? Uh, Look, from my perspective, I'm a middle-aged white male. I don't really go to the festivals, but... um, (laughs) Ideally, you don't want to take drugs. And yeah, now I, I, I understand that you know, there's a, a section of the community that, that does, and um, and that's their thing. And I, I don't really have too much of an issue about lifestyle choices. But clearly, um, we've seen in the not too recent past the consequences of some of these decisions. So ultimately, if you take something and put it in your body, and you don't know the makeup of that substance. Um, you know the consequences can be really significant so we're talking about really really strong poisons um, and multiple types of different poisons so ideally my message would be don't take it it's a good message Craig I'm probably the most naive person in the world when it comes to drugs Um, I do know of alcohol I used to drink I I don't anymore thank goodness Um, and certainly my upbringing uh, we had marijuana among the kids. Uh, the more heavier stuff I was privileged not to be a part of and not to see. But there's some very interesting substances out there now that's certainly come along in the last 10 years. Are you able to give me any idea, uh, a bit of a run through what they are? Yeah, look, I'm certainly not a, an expert in it. Mm. Um, John might be able to assist a little bit more being at the front line. But certainly, you know, we've seen we've seen the rise and fall of heroin a little bit over the, over the journey. I remember doing... Um, patrols in this city for a very long time uh, and heroin was the 
the drug of choice for a lot of people with significant negative consequences. We, you know, I remember in the Herald Sun years ago they reported on the road toll and the heroin toll, mm-hmm. which is a you know a, a tragic, yeah, a tragic that. thing and you know, something that we shouldn't have had to do, but we did because of the you know the the use out there. Clearly, marijuana and heroin still exist. There's you know ecstasy in that, um, but I think what we're seeing is a lot of synthetic drugs out there. So, um, you know, people can. Um, if you're smart enough, I suppose, uh, with a chemistry background, can probably make um, these sorts of drugs. So we, we had a run of synthetic cannabis uh, in the city for a while uh, with a lot of overdoses. You know, John and I, I remember going down an alleyway one day just to have a look and we found someone unconscious, potentially was going to uh, drown in their own vomit in an alleyway by themselves. You're just, just tragic. Do you think some of the problems with these modern-day drugs, I mean, I, I, honestly, I... I've just never even heard of synthetic marijuana. That, that's just blowing me right away right mm, now. Yeah. But is this a cost-base issue? I mean, certainly in the 80s when I was growing up, uh, heroin or cocaine was an expensive commodity. Uh, today's drugs a cheap commodity and is that half the problem that the kids are they're sort of turning away from things like alcohol and going more towards drugs is this a realistic problem Uh, look possibly i think some of it is you know when you go to uh, uh, an event a venue a place uh, and a bottle of water is six dollars you know i went out um for a send-off the other week and a uh, a drink was ten dollars i think for a for a glass of beer which is really quite expensive when you can get, uh, you know, half a dozen beers for $14. Um, so potentially that's some of it, but I think it also, um, for a lot of people, would be a cultural thing, mm. you, know, you know. Yeah, I think the young people, when they're going out to these festivals, part of the culture is you're going there, you do drugs. That's part of the mindset from my understanding. Not everyone, of course, but in general, that's you're going there, you're expected, that's what you do. And they are ch- cheap a lot of the time. So they're cheaper than alcohol. So it's a quicker way to feel better about what you're doing and feel less encumbered, I guess, uh, and self-conscious when you're dancing around. Mm. So, John, what, what are some of the drugs that we're talking about? So it's interesting. So if we look back, I've worked in the city or policed in the city, rather, for a significant amount of time. And so if I look back 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're arresting drunks and the like. And part of that process is to do a, a search when they're in your custody um, for, for safety and evidence. And, you know, my members are telling me now that it's not uh, irregular to find, um, you know, a small quantity of, say... So if we look back historically, um, like I said, 10 years ago, um, it was probably more ecstasy tablets back then, whereas today, um, you know, we don't certainly want to discriminate against cohorts, but like if we, you know, cocaine could be probably more the corporate type of cohort use, if you like, and so synthetic cannabis could be probably, because it is a cheaper uh, drug of choice, maybe the the homeless cohort use that. But there's obviously a bit of crossover as well. Um, We get, say, backpackers, for example, we see, them using a lot of marijuana you know um yeah so it's sort of um at the moment we're certainly seeing and ice of course as we it's been well documented too particularly in the last 10 years as well so yeah there's certainly a variety of drugs out there but um you know i suppose one one of the things you don't think of when you're younger as well is is that far-reaching impact of um you know what what if i do get caught with these drugs you know or a significant amount a trafficable amount or the other part of it is just to possess you know all your friends want to do a, a tour overseas to the us well guess what you can't go they won't let you into the country 
So there's probably things you don't think about at a younger age that you probably need to give some thought to before you, you consider taking drugs. Absolutely. It, one, of the, one of the challenges we have on this Glow Show uh, dealing with the police all the time is that we don't really want to come across as, especially to our LGBTI youth and, and the youth in general and, and to the greater community as well. You know, don't do this, don't do that, don't be a bad boy, girl, whatever. Um, we really just want you to talk about the, these issues and talk about it among your friends and so on and so forth. I think that's probably the big key message that we want to try and get out there. Also, I think too, what's some of the advice that you can give to people if they notice that their friends are partaking in these illegal substances? You know, what's a, what's a great way to approach and deal with it? Uh, look, my, my opinion is so different to going out with your friends when you're having a drink. If you see um, there's, there's warning flags there, I mean, um, I'd like to think that there'd be a bystander intervention as part of a sensible sort of social group. Um, I certainly, to this day, if I see a few friends of mine, uh, we get together and they're having a few drinks, I'm the first to say, you're not driving, are you? Or, you know, we'll get an Uber sorted for you. It's just about that guardianship amongst your, your, your social circle. I think it's really important. Mm. Now, what's some of the penalties too? Because obviously with alcohol, it's... Uh, you. You know, it's not, clearly, unless you drink driving, it's not an issue. But, uh, you know, if you're carrying a, a, a trafficking amount of drugs, what's oh, they're of- all. Uh, I don't have the actual penalty um, uh, notices in front of me at the moment, but as far as the offending goes, you'll be brought before a magistrate mm. um, and there is a term of imprisonment for, for trafficking. Um, possess, I mean, you, you're aware of conviction out of that um, and you have to state your case to, to try and get out of that conviction. Um, there's obviously diversion, drug diversion programs available to um, would-be offenders, if you like. But, you know, you think about the stress leading up to that court process, being processed through a police station, custody area, you know, you Mm. go in holding rooms and cells. So, I mean, it's a big price to pay, I reckon. Whilst our laws are are pretty liberal compared to some around the rest of the world, um, yeah, but nevertheless, it's still quite a uh, severe penalty when you're caught with really anything isn't it absolutely and absolutely. i suppose some people who have drugs on them aren't aware of the difference between possessing a drug and having a commercial amount of drugs um so that might only be a, a small amount difference to make it from one charge to the next and one's a much more serious charge absolutely but the reality is i mean if we're talking about recreational drug use uh you know one would think that it would be enough for personal use um, and then if you're going a bit beyond that, well, you know, it'd be a fair assumption to think that there's probably a bit more going on than just your own personal use. Mm. Yeah. Do you think we're winning the war out there on drugs or do you think it's becoming more of a problem out in the street? It's a, What's your gut feeling? It's a big battle. Uh, we're certainly trying everything we can. So if we look at the festivals, for example, um, in, in Inspector Peel's lack, he's very proactive with making sure we, we have uh, drug detector dogs mm-hmm. at all of these events. Um, and there's certainly a high visible police presence um, patrolling through through the events as well. So um, we're, we're putting our best foot forward, that's for sure. And that, that extends to frontline policing. So people think, you know, yep, go for Mr. Big. But, you know, we're dealing with people at street level as well. You know, it's sort of from all aspects, we're, we're sort of going in pretty strong and, and consistent. Oh, I, think- yeah. I think some of it as well is I don't know if people quite understand the consequences. So they deal in the here and now. But mm. when you've been 
dancing or partying for six or eight or ten hours and then you need to get home and you've got your car keys and your vehicle close by and you get in so the consequences of these things are also significant when you undertake other activities outside of what you've actually been doing you know you've you've taken some sort of drug and had the party but it's the next 10 or 12 hours when you haven't slept for half a day and um, you know we've seen plenty of instances of people going through red lights and knocking over pedestrians and, and all those sorts of things so I think the whole range of consequences need to be understood by those that you know, are going to undertake some sort of risky behaviour. Mm. Yeah, because those drugs stay in your system for quite a long time. Yeah, a lot longer than alcohol does. Correct. Uh, once again, my naivety with drugs, I mean, you, you lose a lot of um, intellectual capability when you're, you've had a few too many beers, so to speak, but I guess it's probably a whole lot worse with drugs too. So you are setting yourself up for some more vulnerabilities, especially driving uh, and just being out in the street generally too, wouldn't you? Correct. Being so, intoxicated you know, on drugs. A lack of awareness around your surroundings, yeah. you know, your, your fine motor skills would deteriorate. Um, so the, the, there's a whole range of different factors that, that change. Um, when you put something in your body that probably shouldn't be there. No, excellent stuff. And once again, uh, look, just talk among this, among your friends and family. Uh, look out for your mates. Uh, I think that's probably the best advice we can give you. It's a very real problem out there. Uh, and I think it's a very serious problem. You can obviously end up in a world of pain in many areas. Uh, when we're back, we're going to talk a little bit about road safety, homelessness and uh, public safety. You're listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. You're listening to The Glow Show on Enjoy. Back soon. Listen to us right around the nation. Joy 94.9. Welcome back. This is The Glow Show on Joy. And you're back with The Glow Show, Joy 94.9 with Will and Gabby. We're here speaking to Inspector Craig Peel and Senior Sergeant John Travaglini from Melbourne East Police Station. We've been talking about a number of events that have happened over the summer, um, festivals in, which involve drugs and, uh, and sadly some deaths and a lot of arrests um, in relation to drugs. But given you work within the city, it's a very busy area. I've been working in Melbourne for a number of years now and know how busy the police are and how many resources we need to go to various things. Coming up is Moonba. Um, that's a big event and there's a lot of protests that go on so how do you organize the police and how do you know how many police you need to attend certain events and why are you there uh, just a little question for you yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just I'll, I'll try and touch on the 48 dot points that you've <laughs> required me to answer um, so with any event so you know when we look at 2018 I think there are over 1300 events and demonstrations in the city Wow. Um, so a lot. Uh, most of them require a police um, police to resource. So some of that is around um, just safety facilitating. You know, everyone's got a right to protest. So we facilitate some of the movements of people around the city to make sure they're safe and it doesn't inconvenience the rest of the community too much. Um, and it's similar with festivals and events. We, we look at we look at risk. We look at consequence of risk. Uh, we look at the type of um, cohort that might be going. So, is it a family event? Is it a hardcore party event? Is it a band? Is it a um, um, Australian Open, for example? Um, and then we we'll, we'll put a number of um, layers over the top of that, and that'll probably determine um, the number of resources we put into it. Um, and that's probably the the easiest way to explain it so every event is different uh, we'll have multiple events in the city 
on the same day. So we might just move our staff from one event to another, to another, to another, um, and that's how we manage things. But primarily, the people that come into the city and um, might be demonstrating or you know holding a an event for a specific cause are generally really good to deal with. Um, you know, and in, in, in consultation, we manage these events together. Uh, that's probably the the best way mm. to to do these things. Which is uh, interesting to note. Uh, you saying that uh, we have a number of protest gatherings in the city. You would say the majority of them are generally peaceful, and Absolutely. you're just simply there for public safety. It's the Co- odd one that just turns ugly. Correct. We've and been seeing recently. Yeah, and, and quite often you get you get people you know with a really really good cause, mm. uh, and they're genuinely there to. Um, um, you know, bring that cause to the fore, and you'll get some knucklehead walking past that <laughs> uh, you know might be had a little bit too much to drink, or he's clearly got a polar opposite that just wants to jump in the middle. So a little bit of stuff around um, breaches of the peace and minor assaults, we try and jump on top of really quickly. Um, but like I said, everyone's got a right to protest, and we're not here to. I certainly don't hold a political view about anyone's. Um, event that they have. It's know, one of our of, community's of, greatest rights yeah, is to protest yeah, and, and say your piece and get your yeah. message across to absolutely. our leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we, we like to be able to facilitate that to a degree, though. To a degree. Um, there's things that we that we don't tolerate. Certainly serious acts of criminality when people have got an event we don't tolerate. Um, you know, we don't, don't tolerate people targeting other parts of the community. Um, so we'll put our foot down around those sorts of things. It must be a nightmare when you get two opposing views protesting at the same time. That must be a nightmare for you guys. Oh, I, look, it just creates another challenge. It's <laughs> uh, it's never a dull moment working in the city. As, as John knows, I've been uh, the inspector in this part of the city for 18 months and uh, every day is different. It's fantastic. And can I say to your listeners, though, if, if they are thinking about forming some sort of peaceful assembly in the city, you know, work with the police because we are there to help you and facilitate that right to assemble and protest in our, in our wonderful city. And it's it just makes, I think, the whole event easier to run as far as um, the participant safety as well as just easier for our people because sometimes we put our people at risk, as in the police members trying to sort of marshal the the, the parade down towards Parliament because we, the trams are coming through, you know, um, Swanson Street or similar. So it's it's really important that we have that collaboration with event organisers. So how would they contact the police? Would they just walk into their local police station and just say, we're holding an event, we want to let you know about it, and it's as simple as that? Yeah, basically they can email the respective police station and notify them of the event. Um, and, and I suggest they'd also want to notify the council as well, just you know, as far as what their plans are, if they are going to march through the city and all the rest of it. Now, in recent times on the media, we've had some issues with homelessness, uh, people sleeping in the street, beggars, so on and so forth. Is there any work being done towards dealing with that in the last recent year or so? Uh, there has. Mm-hmm. I actually hold the homeless portfolio for the City of Melbourne, and yep. uh, John does all the heavy, lifty for, heavy lifting for me around that. Um, we work extraordinarily hard with people experiencing homelessness. Um, so not every person sleeping rough is a beggar. Not every person sleeping rough is a criminal, and not every person sleeping rough has a drug addiction. Some people are having a crisis. They made a decision, that decision didn't go well, and as a consequence of that, over a period of time, they found themselves without a home. 
Um, and before I came into the city, I was really quite naive around that. Um, so John and I have done a lot of work. We ran a program last year in consultation with the community, um, the council to homeless persons. Uh, we did a walk in their shoes, so we got some police members to go out with a person with lived experience and we walked around um, some places that he slept. His name was Jason. Uh, absolute superstar if you're listening, Jason. Um, so we walked around some places that he slept in Fitzroy and uh, the members were just... Um, absorbed everything he said. It was really, uh, really fascinating to hear. Um, and as a consequence of that, we've done some more work um, with the Council of Homeless Persons around educating my staff. So some of the feedback that we've had is that, you know, um, police may be the only human contact a rough sleeper has in a 24-hour period. That you know, must be a confronting experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, like anyone, your home is your castle. So if you haven't got a home, but you've got a patch of dirt, concrete under a bridge behind a bush, um, you'll tend to find that people sleeping rough look after that patch and they treat it like their home. So when we go into that home, we're respectful of, of where they are and what they're doing. Uh, and this is the empathetic part of policing that the people don't see. So quite often we'll see, like, you know, John and I walked up today and we ran into a rough sleeper that we knew. So we started having a conversation and just to make sure they're safe, secure and referred to a support agency. Uh, and you quite often get people stepping in thinking that we're picking on these people. I actually wow. know this person by name yeah. and I've got a really good relationship. So what I would say is be mindful about when you see the police speaking to people, don't jump to conclusions. We're not there to target, harm, harass, arrest someone for no reason. Uh, I actually quite enjoy the engagement I get with some of those people that are, you know, sleeping rough in the, in the street. But the one thing I don't tolerate is them committing an offence. Mm-hmm. You know, and that probably gets into the begging side of things and drinking in the street. So that's uh, always been an offence and still is. And so I'll certainly make sure that myself and my members, um, we don't tolerate that sort of behaviour because sometimes these things lead on to other offending. But the inspector's always uh, made a good point of saying, you know, we certainly don't discriminate against uh, respective communities. So mm-hmm. if you're someone in a three-piece suit begging in, in the middle of Collins Street, our members will speak to you. If you're a rough sleeper begging in the middle of Collins Street, you'll still be spoken to. It's just that consistency across the board. But as Inspector Peel said, these people form part of our Melbourne community. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously heavily engage with them. We, we That regular contact our members have with them on the street, you know, uh, some of our members have even bought them coffees, you know, and, and sausage rolls and you name it. So um, and it's not uncommon to see a police car driving through the Melbourne CBD running some rough sleepers up to the Salvation Army um, night cafe for, for a toastie just to get them off the streets for, for a little while or out of the rain. So there's a lot of goodwill in our police force. So, yeah, are we winning the war with it? Are we getting people off the street and getting them the care they need? Well, when you when you look at the numbers, so in 2016, um, the City of Melbourne do a, or did a biannual street count in 2018 the numbers reduced by 15 percent um so i see that as success we've housed we haven't personally as victoria police but certainly supported the support agency so um salvation army work incredibly hard you know brenda noddle and his wife sandra are just unbelievably uh hard workers um supporting us as an organization and the city of melbourne um so that reduction in numbers you know, by 15% over a two-year period, you know, lends itself to, to me thinking that we are. We are doing some really good work and having some success. I'd like to move on to um, the importance of the, the public assisting police in solving crime and preventing crime. And we've had recently in mid-January the terrible attack and murder of the girl in, young girl in Bandura who was an international student. Um, and the police at the time were 
on on going through the media asking for assistance, dash cam footage, anyone who saw anything un- unusual. And we always highlight that, the importance of people telling us information. But I think a lot of the time people go, see those messages and think, oh, someone else will tell them. Or, mm. or what, I, what I saw or think I saw, it probably isn't important enough. And we've got to highlight how important every little bit of information is. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, certainly when I talk to people that aren't uh, uh, police members and they might be talking about an incident or an event, um, and they say, you know, if they were close by, oh, yeah, I saw that, but it's inconsequential. Mm. But that could be the key link in the chain that brings it all together. So, you know, if you're looking at a four-hour time period, we're missing one minute of time, all of a sudden someone was in that area, has got some footage, and that, that creates that minute that we need to bridge that gap and all of a sudden we've got you know that four hour and we know exactly what's going on so um, I would always encourage people um, if something occurs and um, police ask for assistance so one 800 for Crime Stoppers if you've got some information but you can always upload footage to the Victoria Police website um, and let us determine how important that is because what's important to me is not necessarily important to somebody else um, but and they it, also don't know the, the back end story and even if you're second guessing yourself you can always call yeah. Crime Stoppers and get some advice. Absolutely. And get direction Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. We found after the Burke Street incident last year that the response was amazing with people uploading videos. And that's because yeah, it, was. it was during the middle of the day, there were a lot of people around with their phones. Whereas in this instance, it was 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, whenever it was. Mm. No, not many people around. And that's why it is much more important for everyone to send in that footage or ring us and tell us that information. No, excellent. That's uh, fascinating stuff and it looked fantastic news about the homeless. You're doing some great work there. You all should be proud of the, the work you're doing there, guys. I'm really, really impressed and um, yeah, we've obviously got some challenges with drugs and I think we'll always will have challenges with drugs and so on and so forth. Anyway, thanks for uh, joining us with The Glow Show. We'd love to have you back again one we'd, day. We'd love to come back yeah, and thanks for the invite. really appreciate it. No, thank you. Gabby, you have a lovely week ahead and uh, you. you stay safe and everyone else out there, you all stay safe. Have a great weekend. Oh, great week, I should say. <laughs> You've been listening to The Glow Show on Joy 94.9. That's it from us today. Thanks for listening to another Glow Show on Joy. Tonight's episode has just been loaded to the Joy website and our podcast feed on iTunes. So if you missed anything important, you can hear it again now. Please support the volunteers who make The Glow Show happen by subscribing to our podcast and sharing them with your friends on social media. The Glow Show is produced by Will Lansing and Gabrielle Tyak and edited weekly by me, Jason Gibbs. See you next time on Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.